So it was Napoleon Hill that said, if you do not conquer self, you will be conquered by self. We're going to look for a moment at a story here in Scripture where somebody learned that lesson very well. Other people that have learned that lesson very well, so they can be examples for us as well, so that we can then say, listen, I'm going to conquer what it is internally in me so that I can live fully in Christ and find that life that is truly life that he promises. I'll give you some examples here of somebody who took the the most just terrible circumstance and made the most beautiful thing out of it. And again, the idea here, when we see examples like this, what this person can do, you and I can do. What God can do in this person's life, he'll do in your life, in my life. So let's look at Psalm 105, just verse 18. David here is reflecting on the story of Joseph. And everybody knows the story of Joseph, betrayed by his brothers, put in prison in Egypt, and then he found the favor of God, became the ruler of Egypt. But you remember he was put in prison, and he was an innocent man, and he had this false accusation, and we might skip over that story and get to the part where he becomes the the victor. But David reflects on that part where Joseph is in prison in one verse here, we don't know how long that prison sentence lasted. It was at least two years, could have been almost 13 years. It's just not clear, but for at least two years. And so here's David reflecting on Joseph in prison. Psalm 105 verse 18, Joseph was laid in chains of iron and his soul entered into that iron. The key there, we're going to look at his soul entered into that iron. What that means, these are deep words to express how truly painful this experience was for Joseph. But it would lead to his promotion. And so what David is describing is the anguish. You know, his soul entered into that iron. He felt that prison all the way down into his heart of hearts. And some of us, you know, we may not relate in the sense of that depth of struggle that he had. Others maybe have had similar experiences of darkness like that. We can all relate though in that sense of saying extreme disappointment or maybe it's betrayal by a friend. Maybe it's the end of a marriage and you say, you know, my soul, it's entered into that iron, that chain that binds me. So we're going to look at some things about moving beyond that and moving from that place where we're in that prison and finding that promotion that God brings to us. Here's a great question to ask when you do face an obstacle, no matter whether it's a small one, a big one, Tony Robbins shared this, is to simply say no matter what it is, the disappointment, the betrayal, the hurts, the pain, to simply say, what else could this mean? What else could this mean? You know, again, some people, what they think is the end is really a new beginning for them. Some people, you know, they've understood very well that 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 moment that seemed like their worst day turned into their best day. So simply ask, what else could this mean? What message is being sent to you? Maybe some new doors that are opening. What are some opportunities that are arising? I'll give you an example of somebody that did that. And this is a story here and written here by Anna Simon. And what she's looking at here, she interviewed a gentleman, Clark Bynum and Gifford Shaw. And they were reliving a moment that happened about 20 years ago. Her interview was a couple years ago. 
to reflect back on that incident. So what happened 20 years ago, Clark and Gifford, they were going on a mission trip and they were overseas and there was a snowstorm. And so because of the snowstorm, they would miss their next flight and they would find themselves on an alternative flight. And that flight was hijacked while they are on this plane. Now, what you need to understand about Clark and Gifford, they're both athletes. They're 6'6". They're not supposed to be on this flight. Their flight was canceled due to a snowstorm. Now they're on another flight and a hijacker tries to take over the plane. He actually breaks into the cockpit. They didn't lock the cockpit door. It was a mistake that was made. He entered into the cockpit overtook the pilot. The plane went from 30,000 feet down to 4,000 feet. And I'll just read here Anna Simon's words and then the words of Clark and Gifford as they reflect back on what happened in that moment. Bynum wasn't even supposed to be on that plane. A London snowstorm caused him to miss his connection to Uganda. He was on a mission trip to a Christian youth conference. Sitting in the aisle seat on the second row behind the cockpit, he heard a banging on the cabin. The pilot screamed for help. Bynum bolted through the cockpit door. He wrestled the hijacker who had caused the plane to begin a nosedive. Listen to this. In two or three seconds, that plane would have turned over and crashed in another 10 seconds. That was the testimony of the pilot. Now here's Bynum's wife, her name's Sissy. It was an appointment for him to be on that plane. He was not even supposed to be on it. Like her husband, she believes God put him on that flight. Bynum and Shaw had left Charleston on Wednesday. It was the first time he had left his wife and children for any length of time. He wanted to go on this mission trip because it was a chance to teach and preach God's word. Pretty amazing things, you know, when we stop and say that iron, that chain, that obstacle, that disappointment, that setback. How many people, when their flight was canceled, would have just kind of lost their temper and been so upset? What if, you know, other people had been delayed on that flight were probably furious at, you know, the, the staff and going off on them. And here's these two men. They just got on another flight and they quickly realized this was not an accident. That's what happens when we stop and say, you know, you know, what else could this mean? Helen Keller said it so well. No pessimist ever discovered the secrets of the stars or sailed to an uncharted land or open a new heaven to the human spirit. We need to move above the negative thinking, negative beliefs. You know, this culture where things are taking place now. We're into this for a, a year and a half with lockdowns, suicide attempts at the highest rate they've been, depression at the highest rate, overdoses, spousal abuse, depression, divorce. We need to be the example that says, listen, you might feel like you're in the change. You might feel like your soul even entered into that metal. Let me tell you about the rest of this story of going from that place in the, the prison to being in that place of that promotion where God is going to show you a, a different way to see life and he's setting you in a new place so you can make a difference you never imagined you could make. You know, Robin Openshaw, she shared something just uh, fascinating here from a biological standpoint, but think about this in the physical sense. Now imagine the spiritual implications. She's writing about the liver. Now the liver performs, think about this, 500 to 1,000 functions every day in your body. 
It filters your entire bloodstream every four minutes. And you replace every cell of your liver every 90 days. So here's Robin Openshaw. When did you last pray with your hand over your liver and say, thank you, God, for my liver and all the ways it serves me? Do you think there's a difference in the way a liver performs if it is built in the next 90 days from junk food and negative emotions versus healthy food and healthy emotions? Not just rebuilding a liver, but what if that's your marriage? What if that's your life? What if that's your, your peace of mind, your, your just spiritual strength? Joseph was laid in chains of iron. His soul entered into that iron. Here's an incredible example of somebody, you know, in, in modern day that took something that seems so hopeless. You know, Fabio Chavez in Paraguay, South America. A few years ago, he went to Paraguay and you can look at pictures online and just see there's mounds of trash and they're yards high. And he was watching, you know, children walking through this trash and people go through the trash to find something to recycle. It's, it's a very impoverished area. But he saw these children in the, the junkyard walking through all this trash and he thought, you know, how do I bring hope in a place like this? Now he's a musician, a music teacher, but there's no money to buy instruments. And so he did something just absolutely stunning. Before I tell you that though, I wanna read something here from Albert Einstein and take his words to heart here, not just looking in one area of life, but every area of life, society, history, the world. Simple words, profound meaning. Think about this. Here's Albert Einstein's quote, nothing happens until something moves. Nothing happens until something moves. He was making that statement as a physicist, but also from the standpoint of life, nothing happens until something moves. Ideas and preparation, knowledge, wisdom, they're useless without action. Action is where progress begins. You know, an idea by itself, it's got no value in itself. It must be accompanied by action. It's action that cuts the umbilical cord and brings an idea out of the womb, says Robert Ringer. A lot of people, you know, think about uh, the success of Amazon. A lot of people had an idea at one point to, to start a company where they could do, you know, mail things to people's houses or deliver things to people's houses. But Jeff Bezos, he took the action and started a company. A lot of people had the idea to compete with, you know, the, the postal service. Many people say I could do things more efficient. And Fred Smith in college and business school wrote a plan to start a company to compete with the post office. And his professor said, that's a dumb idea. Told him his paper was unrealistic. But Fred Smith, he didn't listen to that. Again, nothing happens until something moves. Fred Smith decided to take action, not be one of the talk people who simply have the ideas or say they're gonna, but he took action and did something. And Fred Smith, of course, is the man who started, who started FedEx. So again, think about this gentleman, Fabio Chavez. He's in Paraguay, South America, impoverished place filled with garbage, 
wants to teach music. He said, if I could bring music, I can bring hope. And then hope brings more motivation and then change happens. So he went through the garbage with uh, another man who just uh, a brilliant person, an engineer. They went through the trash and they said, let's find things we can transform into instruments. And they did. They found just cans and boxes, oil drums. They took cake pans, candy tins, bottle caps. And out of these objects, they made violins, guitars, bass. Incredible. And you can see those images online and you can see that these are just objects here. Here's a a guitar made out of cans. But it sounds just like our guitar that is made here at at a professional studio. An incredible thing, and and I'll give you more of his story here in just a moment. But again, Joseph was laid in chains of iron. His soul entered into that iron. A lot of people, again, wrestling with things today. Remember, though, the anguish, the pain, it would lead to Joseph's promotion. And I'll give you some examples of that. A great one here, Joel Osteen, shares about a a friend of his losing his eyesight. And the doctor said he was going to lose it completely. They had no idea how they could change the loss of his eyesight. Then he took this surgery and they said it won't be successful, but it was. It was successful and they were able to you know, stop the loss of his eyesight. And so what does this man do? What he does now, he gets up 15 minutes early every day and he just goes outside. He stares at the sky stares at the trees, he stares at birds, he watches his children play for 15 minutes a day, appreciating the gift that he has. You know, Luke 22, two verses here. Notice verse 31, Jesus says to Peter, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded permission to sift you like wheat. Here is a reality of the world that we live in. You know, you can see the the fallenness in the world, the brokenness in the world, sin in the world, you know, the the changes in culture, the people embracing perversions and sin and Satan driving all of this. And so Jesus says, Peter, Satan has demanded, notice, permission. God is the one in control, not Satan. And just like the story of Job, he had to get permission to attack Job. And same thing here. So he's seeking permission. And notice the words there, to sift you like wheat. Now, we don't use that term, I'm, I'm sure, in, in most of our daily language. So let me just share Daryl Brock defining what it is to sift like wheat. Sifting like wheat is painfully graphic. The picture is of a grain in a sieve where the head of grain is taken apart. Satan would like to bring Peter to ruin and leave him in pieces, exposing his lack of faithfulness. Satan did not intend to merely play around with Peter for a while and leave him alone. The devil's single desire was to destroy Peter once and for all. Incredible. Satan wants to sift you like, just as the same thing here. He wants to sift you as Peter like wheat. And to recognize that and say, listen, in Christ, I can overcome him. So one of the places being attacked in our culture and by the enemy has always been family. Talking about parents and children and husbands and wives. So let me give you some things here. Maybe as a married couple or maybe you're single and thinking about getting married and some things that will make that marriage healthy. 
or if you're at a broken place in marriage, then repair these things and see things turn around so the enemy does not continue to tear apart that thing that is a representation of Christ and his church, which marriage is. So here's three things for men, three things for women. This is from Robin's Madonna's. But pay attention. And if you're doing one of these things, stop. If you're doing two or three of these things, you got some things to do today. Because nothing moves till, nothing happens until something moves. So don't just listen, but say, I'm going to change that today. So from her standpoint, what does she need? Or what breaks a woman? Number one is if she feels unseen. Unseen. If she feels invisible. You know, women thrive on attention. You've heard me say men thrive on appreciation. Women thrive on attention. Men thrive on appreciation. And as the Robin's Madonna shares, you know, for a woman, for that feminine energy, how often does she need attention? All the time. Just remember that, men, all the time. Number two, along with feeling unseen, if she feels that she is not understood, you know, if she wants to share things and just be heard and explain her day, men often say that I want to fix that. What she wants is to just be able to, to download that information and have you be fully present listening, not one ear to the TV or one eye on a, on a book, but listening present and understood. Number three, if she feels unsafe, there's a lack of trust. What does that mean to feel unsafe? It means, are you reliable? Can she trust you to be reliable? I counseled somebody several months back and he was newly married and his wife complained about everything he said. We're newlyweds and she complains about food. She complains about the house. She complains about my job. She complains about finances. What do you do? I said when she complains, well, I get upset and I leave. I explained you've, you've failed that test. Those were tests to see if you're man enough to stay the course and not run away like a little boy. And she doesn't feel safe. So she gives you another test to see if you'll pass that test instead of running away. Take those tests as a gift. Pass the test. So then she knows you're somebody she can rely on and trust. Now for men, here are the things that tear apart a man. Number one, if he's criticized, you may call it coaching, but again, men thrive on what? Appreciation. I'll give you a great example from Robin's Madonna's on criticism or coaching. You know, if you're out with your, your girlfriends and, and you share with them, hey, that, that shirt doesn't match or those shoes don't quite look right or that collar doesn't match your eyes, you might say, thank you for sharing that. And, and you know what? I'm going to go change right now. Well, that's not the same for men, especially a masculine man. If you tell a masculine man, hey, that shirt... It's not really you. A masculine man is going to say, you know what? Now I've got to wear this shirt every day for the rest of my life. Because men don't want to be coached like that. They don't want to be criticized. Women thrive on attention. Men thrive on appreciation. Number two, men don't want to be controlled. All you have to do is watch one of the most popular movies for men, Braveheart. That speech he makes, what does he say? They can take our land, they can take our lives, but they will never take our freedom, freedom. And number three, if you close off Stonewall, you may be the one person your man opens up to. When you close off, you are closing off that, that person that he is vulnerable with. 
So again, real quick for her, if she feels unseen, she needs attention all the time. If she feels she's not understood, you're not present when she has a conversation about something important. If she feels unsafe, recognize she gives tests so you'll pass them and then she'll know she can trust you. For him, don't criticize. Men thrive on appreciation. Don't try to control. Men thrive having freedom. Number three, don't be closed off. Don't stonewall. You may be the one person he's vulnerable with and if he can't be vulnerable there, what's he going to do? Matthew Henry, I love this statement he makes about Psalm 105, David's words. Afflictions are among our mercies. They prove our faith and love. They wean us from the world and quicken our prayers. How much we need to be weaned from the world. Our prayers to be quickened. Here's the rest of that statement, though, by Jesus to Peter. Notice what he says here. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Jesus prays for us and he knew Peter would fail just as he knows we fail at times. But the point he says, when you turn back and you're stronger now and you face down the devil, use that to strengthen your brothers. Here's a great example of that Dodie Osteen, Joel Osteen's mom. She's shared for decades about her, her miracle healing from cancer, but let me read a, a great statement by Joel Osteen. My mother was diagnosed with terminal cancer. It's now 40 years later. She is healthy and strong. That is good, but here is the exclamation point. Every week she goes to the hospital to pray for other sick people. That's God making the enemy pay. What a great statement. That is God making the enemy pay. When we stop and say, he's going to make you pay for what you did, enemy, when we stand up against the enemy himself. You know, Gandhi said the world has enough for everyone's needs, but not enough for even a single person's greed. There's so much greed that, you know, somebody that's greedy is never satisfied. We need to be that loving, kind people to say, listen, I want to be the light in this world, even in this dark time. People like Candy Leitner, when her daughter Carrie was hit by a drunk driver and killed. She was furious and broken as anybody would be. But she went to the, the trial and found out this person was a repeat offender. Why was he on the road, she said. He shouldn't even have had a license. She started Mothers Against Drunk Driving. How many hundreds of thousands of lives have been changed by that? Or Joel Osteen, who has the largest ministry in the country, shared about opening church on a new campus and the criticism he faced by other people. He said this, when I heard how much people were against me, something rose up inside of me. I need to write some of my enemies a check. If they hadn't been against me, I wouldn't have prayed so hard. If they hadn't made fun of us, I might have given up. If they hadn't tried to push me down to talk me out of it, told me I didn't have what it takes, I might have settled where I was. It was their opposition that pushed me forward. Many times your enemies will do more to catapult you to success than your friends do. So true. Nothing happens until something moves. When people like Fabio Chavez say, I'm going to take this garbage. God's going to use me to take this junk to build an orchestra which he did, and he now traveled around the entire world to share beautiful music, playing instruments made from trash. 
How much more could we make a difference in the world with the gifts God has given us?